0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dan Kelly is the president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, representing the small business community in this country. We've talked to Dan many, many times during the pandemic. Uh, Adam Mintz joins us as well. He's a Toronto-area businessman, investor, investor. His business is InvictusGameStation.com. Dan, how are you? I'm doing fine. Nice to talk to you. Great to talk to you again. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Roy. I want to talk to you about your business in a few minutes, but let's start with Mr. Kelly. What are your thoughts, Dan, first of all, on the Federal um, Employment Minister's suggestions? You know, I have some
1: real worries. Uh, we have to... I understand. As I'm, I'm a fully vaccinated Canadian, have promoted vaccines to everybody I know, but I really worry about the the push that many governments have had towards vaccine passport systems, uh, and 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 almost using systems now to punish people who who do not wish to be vaccinated. And I, I think that may be the step too far. Uh, so not only are, is the federal government saying that if a civil servant uh, doesn't get vaccinated, they will be terminated. But now they're saying that anyone who is terminated because they are not vaccinated, if their employer does go down that road, that they wouldn't even qualify for the employment insurance benefits that they've paid into for year after year. Right. As somebody's observed the system for forever, you know, employee, these systems almost always side with employees. If you're not supposed to get E.I if you quit, but most people know that if you have a good story as to why you had to quit, You'll get benefits reinstated in about two minutes. So I'm I'm not sure that this policy that the minister is talking about is actually even ultimately going to be enforced. But I I worry about the tone that basically we're going to cast you onto some island uh, and 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 shun you uh, if you choose not to be vaccinated. I think I think we have to be careful as Canadians. We're creating some divisiveness that I'm not sure is going to go away after COVID.
0: Now, there's already enough divisiveness in this country. We don't need to add any more. And like you, I have concerns that this is a trial balloon by the federal government, and I have no idea what else they have in mind. But it is concerning.
1: It is. It is. And we've seen this, uh, you know, obviously we've put in place vaccine passport systems for for, for customers. Uh, there are some governments who have toyed with the idea of doing this for employees in the private sector, I understand the government's in the healthcare sector. That might be a different issue where, you know, where you're dealing with vulnerable patients every single day. But but to cast you out of the EI system, wow. I, I personally, I think that this is a lot of bravado. I, I, I feel like a lot of these policies are actually never going to stand up, but they are they're politically popular right now. The policies pull well. Uh, and as a result, the governments are doubling down on them.
0: Yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts on the decision taken by the federal government as far as COVID-related support programs are concerned? And let's specifically look at small business, those affecting the small business community and the government saying that they will dedicate $7.4 billion to specific initiatives. And I'm, of course, the person based on experience with the federal government during the pandemic who looks for the Missouri license plate. Show me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you're wise to do that, as always, Roy. I, I can tell you uh, we're already hearing from a large number of fairly panicked business owners. Look, I, I sympathize with uh, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christopher. Friedland. She has a very difficult job to do. These subsidy programs are incredibly costly, and at some point we're going to have to get rid of them. I, I fully subscribe to that. Uh, nobody wants to get rid of subsidies more than me. But I can tell you, the the big question is, is the economy ready for it? And are small businesses prepared for it? Only 40% of our members, small business owners, have got normal levels of sales at this stage. The government has set up two streams, one program for restaurants and tourism-related businesses. That program provides, um, you have to have at least a 40% loss in your revenue to be able to qualify. Uh, And and so a, a restaurant, for example, whose revenue is down by a third would get no support whatsoever. If you're down by a third, Roy, you're likely losing money every single day you're open, but you're going to get not a nickel from Ottawa.
0: Yeah. Adam Mintz is the owner of InvictusGameStation.com. First, Adam, tell us, please, what your business is about, what you do, and then I'd like your thoughts on what uh, Dan has been talking about, and that is the relative state of the small business community in this country and the state of your business, the health of your business. What do you do?
2: Sure, Roy. Uh, so, Invictus Game Station is an esports venue. It's uh, basically a video game lounge where primarily university students and other gamers come to play online video games. We have. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. So, we have uh, 80 high end gaming PCs, board game rooms, mahjong tables because we cater to a lot of international students. We run weekly tournaments and uh, socials, birthday parties. Uh, and everything in between. We're essentially a new age internet uh, cafe.
0: Okay, so you were doing, as I understand, quite well before the uh, before the tam- pandemic struck, before the businesses were closed, before the lockdown started. What happened on day one of the lockdowns to your business?
2: Uh, everything just went away. Um, I think what a lot of people don't understand about small businesses like mine, brick-and-mortar stores, venues or retailers is that we don't have a surplus of cash. A lot of businesses, especially ones like mine, which was kind of a startup, operate month to month with the hope that in a few years from now, we really can have this cash reserve that if you know we have a bad month, we're okay. What happened on day one of the pandemic on March 15th, when we got locked down, everything went away. And I still had thousands of dollars of credit card bills that were gonna be due in a month from them. And normally, you know, when the credit card due is bill is due the next month, you make money, you pay it off, and so on and so forth. But all of a sudden, there's no revenue coming in, and you just go, whoa, how am I going to pay what is owed? How am I going to pay next month's rent? And you're kind of left to answer that question, okay, what's next?
0: So uh, I've had a little bit about your story, and uh, you had to try to stay afloat financially. You just pointed that out. The use of government subsidies, I imagine the subsidies were helpful to you, those that were available to you, but you also had fights with your landlord, and you had to dip into your personal reserves and into your credit, did you not?
2: Yes, I mean, I did a number of things. Uh, I refinanced my home. I took out government. I took out the SIBA the loans immediately. I was very lucky. Um, and, yes, the government subsidies were an absolute, they were a, a lifeline for me. Um, but I also dipped into my own personal lines of credit and I took loans that I otherwise would never have taken. And essentially, uh, about a week when, you know, it was March 15th when the lockdown happened. And then two weeks later, my uh, my landlord goes, where's the rent? And I said, well, a once in a lifetime, once in a generation pandemic is happening. And I'm sorry, but you're going to have to wait until I can get the subsidies. And his response was, give me my money. Not... Market forces, it was basically him telling me, well, market forces don't apply to me. They only apply to you. We have a contract. We have a lease. Give me my money. And it was a real back and forth between me and him and basically me telling him, listen, this is what you're going to be able to get. I'll, I'll owe you the money in the arrears. But right now, this is all I can do. And it was a very difficult discuss- discussion between me and him in a tough time.
0: Dan, you and I had lots of conversations about the kinds of situations that uh, that Adam is faced and may still be facing this was a this was a common theme across the country
1: it it sure was look it is good news that those programs were able to support entrepreneurs like adam but but it certainly didn't universally as he just pointed out take away all of the pain all of the costs of covid from his shoulders most business owners are are right now try to struggle with a mountain of covid related debt and it's that that we worry is going to draw them into some form of failure or bankruptcy in as we go forward into the fall and spring of next year so pulling back on these support programs understandable the objective of course is understandable as the economy reopens but but if we do it too soon these businesses that have been hanging on for dear life often by their fingernails Many of them are just not going to make it, and that's not going to certainly not going to help the business owner. But it's it's not going to help society either as we need no. more jobs dry out.
0: No, and we spoke many times of the fact that small business was responsible for eight million jobs in this country and the number one employment sector. Adam, how close are you? I mean, I don't want to get too personal with you, but how how close are you? to not being able to hold on to your business after everything you've put into it and everything you've experienced over the last 18 or 19 months
2: so i'm in a very i don't know, i guess i don't i don't like to use the word luck but part of it is luck i'm in a pretty good position all things considered i mean this wasn't always the case but my business i am building it back you know the students are coming back to ryerson and U of T, which is exactly where my uh, business sits it's right in between both universities. And we're getting more events. More people are coming in every day. So I would say we're actually close. We're probably six months away from being at pre-pandemic levels. Every month is better than the last month, which is great for me. You know, I've done a lot of things. I've been able to pivot. I have a lot of experience in knowing how to pivot and what I need to do with my business to build it back to where it was to pre-COVID levels. But not everyone's so lucky. You know, I have a very unique business that a lot of people want to come to and right now people have been especially students have been home for 18 months and they're looking for a respite from being from home so they want to come to my place to game rather than game alone they want to be out and be social but not everyone is as lucky as me so you know it's it all depends on what your business is but i'm like i said i'm actually pretty lucky right now that i'm in a pretty good position moving forward but it is it's not going to recover in four months. It's really going to take six to 12 months for me to get back to where I was, I would say.
0: Also, the province of Ontario has decided that uh, limits uh, going into restaurants, bars, bowling alleys, gyms, they're all going to be lifted. Dan, what about that? It's late to the party, but how helpful is that going to be?
2: Oh,
1: it's hugely helpful. Uh, obviously, we- I mean, what
0: a dumb question to ask you, right?
1: <laughs> it's, well, not at all, no. A
0: dumb question, Green.
1: No, no, but look, you, you, it is actually an interesting question because as many business owners will point out, capacity restrictions, of course, needed to be lifted in order to have the business get a shot at earning back its customers and, and uh, returning a profit once again. But that is by no means a guarantee that the customers are going to be there. We've had lots of sectors that have had no capacity limits in place but are still not seeing customers come back because people are scared and they're staying at home. And and so it isn't the panacea that people think it is, but it will be helpful. I, I think about poor gym owners in particular who have been yeah, for sure. such reduced capacity. They've not been able to make a buck in, in forever.
0: It's stunning that they took this long. It really is. And it's been wobbly. The Ontario government has been wobbly. British Columbia by uh, comparison has done much better.
1: They sure have. Look, the NDP and B.C. Has, has tried, I think, to keep the economy open far better than than the Ontario government. Uh, it is good news that Ontario's COVID position is in, in much better shape than most provinces at this moment. But uh, gosh, the economic damage that came along with it has been huge. I was encouraged, though, Roy, by one thing. And, and look, you know, I've been particularly hard on the Ford government for many, many months, and I think deservedly so. But... But I was encouraged, the Ford government is actually now talking about dates that it will remove the passport rules, remove masking rules in the spring of next year. And it's, it's really one of the first times that we've started to hear governments talking about an end point to all COVID restrictions. I know you can't lock that in stone right now. We still have a pandemic that we have to deal with. But the fact that we're at least now starting to talk about that, I think, is a, is one of those encouraging signs that we shouldn't let go.
0: Now, what, what concerns me about that, Dan, is that you could end up with political infighting where you have a federal party of one persuasion in disagreement with a political party of uh, another persuasion provincially, and who gets caught in the middle again?
1: If, you're right. It's, it's our members, small business owners. and. I think when this is all said and done, we're going to look at the damage that this has exacted on the private sector economy, small business in particular, and we're really going to have some serious questions about how deep these measures were, whether they were theater, whether they were, had a real impact. Uh, we have to do that math at some point, and I'm hoping
0: that'll be soon. Adam Mintz, what about the capacity, uh, the removal of capacity limits in a business? That has to be a great help to you.
2: For everything, uh, for my business, it's everything because you're you're literally, you have uh, politicians and health ministers telling us, um, okay, you're allowed to be open, but you're only allowed to be at 50% capacity and they're not telling, which means potentially much less than what I'm about to say. Technically, it means, okay, we can make 50% of the money we were making before, which is not even close to what we were making pre-pandemic, and, but they don't ask anyone else to sacrifice. So let me get this straight. We were at 50% capacity for months and months and months. Forget the lockdown. How come my landlord wasn't, they didn't demand my landlord take 50% rent? So explain the logic where I'm, allowed to, I'm not allowed to make as much money as I possibly can just to cover costs, but my landlord is not legally obligated to take less. Only yeah. I'm legally
0: obligated yeah. to take less. Another so brilliant we'll federal government plan.
2: Exactly. I mean, I got. listen, I, I'm not here to... Talk poorly about the politicians because, quite frankly, as Dan Kelly um, talked about a few minutes ago, uh, Minister Freeland did a great job. You know, I think that from a, for at least my business, I can't speak for all small businesses, I was lucky in a lot of respect. I was able to get every subsidy and loan that the government offered. So it was really helpful. But the issue that I think a lot of small businesses have are when things are so blatantly illogical, like the Raptors and Leafs allowed to have 30,000 people side by side but a yeah. restaurant has to socially distance yeah it makes like when it's so blatantly obvious we kind of shake our heads and say well hey, it
0: starts on. to it it's also takes return. us to the point of what carla quattro said about employment insurance these are people the politicians are the people who took not a penny of uh, pay pain during the pandemic whereas millions of canadians and small business operators owners suffered dramatically the politicians kept on receiving their salaries kept on having their contributions made to their pension plans they suffered no pain the private sector suffered a great deal of pain uh, dan one quick question for you about uh 45 seconds for the answer supply chain how much of an issue is that to small business
1: it is growing fast gosh i looked at some recent data from from our cfib member surveys we do them every month and issues like uh, inflationary pressures, cost increases, uh, supply chain delays to get products uh, to to market, this is this is almost outstripping COVID-related issues. Obviously, those two issues are linked, but those things are starting to tick up as a as a big concern. As they are for Canadians, they certainly are for Canadian small business owners.
0: If you want to hear more.